0: Woo, that was good. Good job. Are you, uh, are you done? Are you, are you glad you're done fasting? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> me too. But you know, it was good, right? I mean, it wasn't bad. And if you fasted three days or three hours or 21 days, thank you. Thank you for fasting. Thank you for all that you've done. And I believe you're going to see results. We're already hearing about different miracles, the people getting jobs and selling houses. And we have, uh, one uh, dear family in our church whose three-year-old daughter has been suffering seizures, and uh, she just finished 21 days with no seizures at all, so that's amazing, right? God is so cool, and it's, you know, it's not it's not coincidence that you fast, you set out to fast, and other people experience breakthroughs. Your breakthrough's coming. If it's not there yet, it's going to come, and uh, man... God is doing some really cool things, and so thank you for fasting. It's officially over. You can continue on if you want. Uh, if you jump back on sugar and bread and meat, uh, be careful. Uh, you will have some side effects this week if you're not if you're if you're not too careful. And so, uh, just come back slowly and surely. But thank you for fasting. Thank you for doing uh, those things in Christ and for the Lord. Praise God. Uh, a couple things. Um, We'd like to uh, partner with you. Our downtown campus will be done under construction the end of March. Uh, We still, yeah, amen. Come on. Praise God. Excited about that. Uh, We do have a need I want to put before you, uh, and that's we're going to need some sound and lighting. Uh, In there and some chairs. We may do something different with the chairs, as far as just asking people to buy a chair for for someone who maybe that would represent a lost soul or someone who needs to be a Christ follower. We're about fifty thousand dollars short. We've been trying to cash out on the building as we go, so we own the building, uh, and the construction costs should be really close to being paid for. uh, But we'll need some things. So the end of March, the last Sunday in March, we're going to take an offering. We're going to ask that you just do your best, pray, and seek. The Lord, we're going to call it a first fruit offering, which is be biblical. Uh, they brought the first fruits to the Lord at the spring of the year, and so we're going to we're going to do that. Maybe you can just you know if you haven't if you don't bring a tithe like Margaret said, maybe you can start by just bringing a tithe to the storehouse every week. Uh, if you'd like to take out you know and just maybe some of you can give a hundred, five hundred, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. I don't know. Uh, we we have people in our church that are very generous, and we don't want to lean on one or two people. We want to lean on the whole congregation. Amen. We want if everybody does their part, we'll have more than enough. Uh, Joel Osteen said one time, "We have all the money that we need. It's just in your pockets." And so. Uh, it is in your pockets, and we're going to ask the Lord. And so the last Sunday, we're going to have some cards, too. So maybe you'd like to give more. You're going to give what you can on that Sunday. You'd like to give more and make an offering of 100 or 250 or $500 more a month for like the next six months. We'll have some commitment cards, too. I believe that campus is going to win a lot of souls for the Lord. We're a soul-winning church. We believe in salvation through confession, and we believe in walking it out and discipling one another. And so, again, if you'll be ever mindful of that, come the last Sunday of March. If you can't give, you don't want to give, you have no desire to give, come on out that Sunday. Anyways, we're in this together. We're partners together. Amen? And then I have a screen up here. Three things I'd like you to do. We're going to keep this in front of you. Three things I'd like you to do all year. One, come often and invite someone. How many says Amen. Maybe, maybe you're a regular attender, but that's only once or twice a month. Try to come every Sunday if you can, invite somebody. Now listen, uh, Marcus will give us a statistic that says 85% of people say they would come to church if they were invited, and I would say most of those invitations are based on relationship. In other words, if you know somebody at your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, that doesn't go to church, or they're just discontent, invite them based on your relationship, and they'll come out. We knock on a lot of doors here at Grace Church, and not everybody comes. We're planting a lot of seed, and I'm okay with that, but most people will come if you invite them based on a relationship with them. Two, join a group. Join a small group. Get in several small groups. We'll have another small group rally probably sometime in March, But and we're thinking of new ways and new creative ways to have new small groups that would be more impactful to people going through different seasons of their life, but we would love for you to join a group after you've been in a group at least one semester. We want you to lead a group. Start a group and do something for the kingdom and then serve. If you've been in our church for less than a year, maybe you've not joined a serve team. If you've been in our church for a long, long time and you're not on the serve team, we would love to get you connected with the serve team because that's part of the fulfillment of who we are as Christ followers. Amen? So those three things we're going to keep in front of you each and every week. Uh, Come often. They used to say in in, uh, Chicago, vote early and vote often. And That is so true, in Chicago. Listen, come early and come often. Amen. We're going to take Chicago's theory on that. Join a group. <laughs> yeah, Flavia gets it. She got family in Chicago, uh, and and then and, and join a group and then join a serve team. It's it's so fulfilling if you if you can serve one another. We got some great plans for Easter Resurrection Sunday. We're going to have five or six weekend services. On Easter, and so we want you to come geared for that. Uh, we're using Hoax Chapel, which is over here. In the cemetery, uh, that's where this church was planted. For a sunrise service, we'll do a sunrise service. Then we'll do that'll be 7:45. We'll do a 9:15 service here. We'll have breakfast in between. We'll do 11 o'clock service here, 11 o'clock in Cherokee, 11 o'clock in Sunny Valley. We'll do a Good Friday service, and we're we're waiting on the location for that because we may have some surprises in store for the location of the Good Friday service. And so, a lot going on. Come early, come often. We're going to ask that you serve a service and attend a service service during Easter. Why? Because Easter is not for us. We celebrate Easter year-round, right? Easter is really for the people who might only come once or twice a year. We want to serve them and be a blessing to them. How many are you okay with that? All right. Good. Praise the Lord. So we're ending this uh, sermon series. Uh, this week about vision last week we cast out our lots we got rid of the lots in our life. i'm going to tell you what happens now when we kind of come back around and get that new vision for what god has in store for us and i, I just i want to i'll show you a couple graphs that you can take some quick notes and then we'll get into the heart of the messages. i believe well, bless you. It blessed me as the Lord showed it to me, and I started studying it out, realizing that sometimes we lose track of our vision. We lose track of who we are, and Christ will lose track of the things that maybe God has in store for us. You, you are favored. Isaiah 58 says, those who fast, he'll cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. We're still praying for some people who are looking for jobs or employment or sale of their house or uh, ministry opportunities, whatever the case may be. We're believing God that God's going to cause you to rise, ride upon the high places Places of the earth that you are God's favorite. How many believe you're God's favorite? Amen? You are. You are God's favorite. He loves you. So stand with me for the reading of the Word of God today. We're going to come out of Genesis, the 13th chapter, 14 through I think 17 or 18. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if we can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land that I will give for you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much, Lord, for everybody here that's fasted, Lord, and the byproduct and the fruit that's going to take place from the fast, and you are causing them to ride upon the high places of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, for the dealing with this in a spiritual realm, physical realm, relational realm, breaking through, Father. So we pray today, Lord, as we study your word, that you would open our eyes and ears to hear all that you have for us, Father Lord, that we can take it, we can take it home with us, we can help distribute it, Lord, to family, friends, and loved ones. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. And so uh, what happens sometimes in scripture or in being a Christ follower is that we, we get sometimes maybe a little bit mundane, maybe a little bit routine, maybe we lose our vision a little bit maybe we we, we, uh, we look at things that we're doing uh, we're, we're inspired by God we man I got i I'm just connected with the Lord I'm so excited and sometimes we lose steam or we lose momentum and God's got to come back around and really reinstill that vision in us or that heart sometimes there's things that we do in our in and of ourselves or we allow to happen that that causes us to lose vision a little bit so I want to give you a couple things really quickly before we get into the meat of the message today on how we can regain that vision on some things that maybe you can look out for Lot may not be a person. Last week we talked about get rid of the Lot in your life. Lot may not be a person, it may be a person, but it definitely can be a spirit that tries to attach itself to you that when your things aren't going so well, the spirit tries to drive you and if we leave Lot in our life too long, we become like Lot, okay? They start to take ownership. That spirit, that person, that relationship that's not good, that's not healthy, starts to take over and we lose our focus or our vision from the Lord. So the first screen that we have are four mistakes that Abraham made. He compromised, all right? He, he lied a couple times about uh, his, his, his wife, Sarah. Okay, so he did things that he wasn't supposed to do. He wasn't like, you know, it wasn't altogether bad, but it definitely wasn't altogether good, and he compromised. He quarreled, and he allowed the herdsmen to quarrel between Lot's herdsman and his herdsmen. He, he lost his spiritual identity because he started hanging around the wrong people groups, the wrong tribes, okay? You have a tribe. And, again, it's not like we don't want people. Like, I believe everybody here should have friends, That don't go to church should have friends that aren't Christ followers but at the same time you should be influencing them they shouldn't be influencing you okay you should be rubbing off on them they shouldn't be rubbing off on you and so if it start if you start feeling yourself uh, where they're rubbing off on you then your your spiritual identity is is gone it loses and then he didn't separate himself quickly enough we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit but we get to this point and if you see yourself Quarreling, if you see yourself compromising, if you see yourself maybe hanging around the wrong group or the wrong crowd, this would be good for young or old, maybe at the office or in the school, in a place of business or in a family or neighborhood. We got to make sure that we maintain our spiritual identity of who we are in Christ. Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. All right? I am who I am by the grace of God. God made you, he created you, but then he calls you out. And when he calls you out, he places a seal on you that calls you his own. And that's an important segment and uh, and statement that we need to know. You are God's, you were bought with a price. He purchased you back by the son Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and raising again. By the confession of our mouth, we're born again, we're saved, we become Christ followers. Let's go to the next screen because here's some do's and don'ts, some things that Abraham did versus Lot. Abraham walked by faith. In fact, he's called the father of faith. But Lot wanted to go by sight. We learned last week that Lot took what was pleasant. Lot took what was good. Lot took what was easy. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this is a faith journey. Okay? Anybody here on a faith journey? Like you're, you're walking by faith. The pastor, i got to go by faith through this thing. I'm just walking by faith. And sometimes we want sight, but sight's not there just yet. And we look back and we see the things God's done for us Lot was a sight guy. Abraham was a faith guy. Next, it was trust versus lust. Uh, Abraham's trust was in the Lord. God told him to go. He went. He just he left everything. Lot went with him. And again, I'm not sure that Lot was supposed to be with him because Lot attached himself to it. But Lot wanted what wasn't his. And he lusted after something that didn't belong to him. He wanted Abraham's blessing. He wanted Abraham's uh, sheep. He wanted Abraham's herd. He wanted Abraham's field. He wanted Abraham's mountain. He always wanted those things. And so we have to make sure that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not upon our own understanding standing in all our ways, acknowledge Him, and what? He will direct our path, right? That's what trust is all about. And then He built an altar of sacrifice where Lot, again, just wanted convenience. It's like we sometimes... I'll give you a quick story. So my my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, Janie's mom and dad, pastored for, I think they're going on 57 or 58 years. They're associate pastors now. They were pastoring. They pastored a really nice church up in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, he would call a fast, you know, first of the year, fast six, seven, eight days. And then throughout the year, periodically, they would fast. And so a lady came up to him, and her marriage was a wreck. The family was just a disaster. And he said, let's fast. And so let's do a three-day fast or a four-day fast. I'm not sure the length of time, and so he was, he was, uh, he went over just to see how the family's doing, and, and uh, he was so impressed because the lady was cooking uh, dinner for the whole family, and it was a really good-smelling dinner, and he hadn't eaten anything. He was like, oh, man, this is This is unbelievable. She's making this great meal, and she's not fasting. And and so the lady sits down, and he's like, man, she's going to sit down and just sit there while they eat. This is incredible. She's making this great meal. It smells unbelievable. He hasn't eaten for like three or four days. and He thinks she hasn't eaten for like three or four days, and and they pray, and she starts digging in. She starts eating the fried chicken and all that stuff, and he's like, I thought we were fasting. She said, no, you were fasting for me. (laughs) He said, my fast is officially over. You give me a plate of that chicken, I'm going to start eating. If you can't fast, I ain't going to fast. Sometimes we want other people to do the work for us. Some people want, sometimes we want other people to, to pray. Sometimes we want other people to worship. Sometimes we want other people to read the Word. Sometimes we want other people to fast. And I think there's, there's a unity and there's a bonding. And sometimes Janie and I will pray together for a need that maybe we have in our family or, or our loved ones or someone sick or whatever, or a church need. And we'll agree together. And, that's, and that's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're all supposed to do. But you shouldn't allow someone else to do what God's also called you to do. All right, that we can't we can't just pass it off in convenience and then the last thing uh, Abraham's motive and his heart were right. Uh, lot's wasn't. He was what we would call a leaner or a taker. He wanted just to get something that he didn't work for. He wanted to get something that wasn't that wasn't his. And so the the reason I bring these up really quickly is one because there were some mistakes that Abraham made. Abram, when, then his name is changed to Abraham. And then he comes back around. So if if maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you've been a leaner or take, or maybe you've operated out of convenience, or maybe you've lost vision, or maybe you've done some things. I want to give you four things today that I think will help you recapture that vision, recapture that, that, that thing that God has called you to do. And if you don't know if God's called you to do something, then maybe he's going to place something in your heart as we get through with this message today. I believe Grace Church exists not only to bring God glory and bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ, which we have on the wall out there, but I believe Grace Church exists to... A partner together with each other so that we can spread the good news, not just build a church. We can spread the good news of Jesus Christ to other communities, to other people, to other neighborhoods, to other other foreign lands, that we can help and be a blessing to, to Haiti children or Second Harvest Food Ministry, or we can bless Cherokee or Sunny Valley. We can do the things God's called us to do and not just come to church. Amen? because really coming to church is just self-satisfying. It's like a good meal, but we got to do something with that good meal and go down to the highways and byways and, and really compel people to come into the kingdom of God. We really only have one shot at this, guys. And then we're going to stand before the king someday, amen? So we want to do everything we can. So all right, the first thing then that Abraham did right when he came back around was he separated himself. you got to separate yourself from those things in your life that maybe aren't necessarily so good. you got to separate yourself that from things that maybe cause you to quarrel, cause you to compromise, cause you to lean or take, cause you to get mad or angry. And sometimes it's just a spiritual thing. Hey, I'm going to separate myself. But the word separate here means set apart. I got to separate. He separated. He set apart from Lot. When we separate ourselves from things in our life, then we can start to draw the vision that God has for us. The word set apart then is the root word, the Greek and the Hebrew word for what it means to be holy. So what Abraham is really doing here is now he's starting to become holy again. God called him because there was a righteousness about him. God called him because he could talk to him as a son. God called him because he was a man of faith and would listen to God. But he lost that a little bit as he allowed Lot to attach himself to his life. When you allow things in your life, when you allow things in, maybe it's something you think about. Maybe it's something you've seen, heard, done, said, thought, whatever. Maybe it's something, a person, a relationship. Maybe it's a spirit that you entertain. You have to separate yourself. You have to allow yourself to be set apart. And again, the true term of that is be holy. God said, be ye holy as I am holy. So there's a certain holiness. Now, holiness isn't a way of dress. Holiness isn't a lifestyle, and I think we get confused. And back maybe years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago, we thought a holiness was no makeup or holiness was no earrings or certainly holiness was, you know, for the ladies a dress every Sunday morning. You shouldn't dress like, you know, you shouldn't wear jeans. And a lot of Old Testaments of holiness was uh, no tattoos or holiness wasn't this or that or the other thing. Listen, a holiness isn't a bunch of don'ts. And that becomes confusing to the church world. I want you to hear me on that. Holiness is not a bunch of don'ts. Because let's let's look at the drug addict. If a drug addict stops using drugs, that doesn't make them saved. Only Jesus makes them saved that doesn't make them a Christ follower. So the person who you think you're trying to clean up by saying don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, 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 and that, that doesn't make them any more safe. Only Jesus can save them. Only Jesus can make them a Christ follower. Only Jesus can light their light up. It makes us good, makes us feel good in the church. Yeah, that person got saved, and now they don't do this, 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 and that. That's a miracle from the Lord, but we got to make sure that they've gave their heart to the Lord. No, holiness is a bunch of dues. I do receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I do accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. I do read my Bible every day. I do come into the church and I worship God. I do, I do challenge myself in prayer. I do challenge myself in the reading of the word. I do challenge myself to evangelize and to ask people to come to church. I do I do disciple or allow myself to become disciple. I do things that draw me closer to the Lord. That's the sanctification process. That's the process of becoming holy. Is that we ask the Lord, Lord, would you deal? with me and get rid of junk in my life see Jesus knew this and so he said judge not lest you be judged for the same measure that you judge that measure is going to come back to you and if you if you measure harshly on someone you're going to get harshly measured this is what I love about grace and truth now we need truth amen we, we, grace brings people in the door so that truth can be taught. But truth has to be taught in love. If we start throwing the Bible at people and say, hey, you're not this and you're not that, we have a definition of holy that I'm not sure is godly. Our definition of holy that is godly is saying, listen, I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? Let's just run and become as much as Jesus. Let's get as much as Jesus in this as possible. So that's the separate. Separate means to set apart. He set himself apart from Lot. And then as he set himself apart from Lot, I believe there was a holiness that took over because he he allowed things in his life. If you see or believe or you think or you're allowing things in your life that are not of God, ask the Holy Spirit to deal with you. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you. He will. And as he does, and then and ask, ask the Lord for forgiveness, repent, and move on to become a closer walk with Jesus. Can you say amen? Number two, look up. So uh, Abraham does four things here in these scriptures that we read. The first thing is he separated himself. And immediately, the Bible says immediately after he separated himself from Lot, God told him to look up. And so he starts to look up. And it's amazing. David says, I looked up, and that's where my help came from. My help came from the Lord. And it's not that we're looking up like we're so spiritual, we can't see where we're going, but we start to look up into the heavens. We start to look up as a matter of spirituality speech I'm going to look up into the, I'm going to look up into the heavens. I'm going to look up to Lord. I'm going to look up and see where God is. So God has Abraham start to look up and right then he starts to instill vision back in him. He'd look up at the stars, Abraham, as many stars as you see, north, south, east, west. Those are going to be your descendants forever. Look down at the sand, Abraham. Pick up a handful. If you could count all the kernels of sand or all the granular sand, then that's as many as your, your descendants will be. And so if you, if you know, and and I, I, I'm not a scientist, but I've read where there's a billion galaxies with over a billion stars in each galaxy. And the psalmist said, God knows everyone by name. Think about how mad, magnificent God is to where he knows every star by name. I'd heard recently a, a radio conversation where uh, people that are blind, seeing impaired, and they train a dog for them, uh, that most dogs will look out and down. That's how their natural process is. But they have to t- they have to teach a seeing-eye dog to look out and up so that when they look out and up, they see what their master sees. Well, here's the, 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 the part there that if we look out and up, we need to see how the master sees you. We need to see how the master sees our vision. We need to see how the master sees what he has in store for us, not look down at what maybe the enemy has in store for us. But if we can look out and up and see what God has for us, it's an amazing thing. In 2nd Kings, the sixth chapter, there's a really cool story about Elisha and his helper, Gehazi. And Gehazi was a little bit off. He he would cheat a little bit, he would lie a little bit, he would steal a little bit. He got himself in trouble, and he was kind of a coward. And so Elisha and Gehazi are in a valley, and they and Elisha's gonna uh, tackle the, the Syrian army. And so uh, he wants to fight the army, and Gehazi looks around, and it's just him and Elisha. So the, he's looking. Around and like we can't fight those guys. There, I mean, there's there's way too many. How are we going to fight those guys? Elisha, this is a this is not a good deal. There, there's a whole army there, and so Elisha steps forward and says, "Lord, ask, open the eyes." To Gehazi. and so he opens the spiritual eyes, and all around the, the Bible says there's angel warriors on chariots of fire. And my opinion is these guys were not weak little angels. These guys are probably like guys that CrossFit on steroids. Okay, I mean they're they're like they're like power lifters you know and, and and so Gehazi, all of a sudden because he sees his faith is boosted and it's like let's go get him now he now he's ready to tackle him he's ready to go after him and, and Elijah says no wait just, just a second we're not ready yet and so uh, Elijah takes a stand and the Syrian army starts to take their they take their bows and their arrows and their swords and they take all their 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 equipment and then Elijah asks God Elisha asked God Elijah uh, god God, would you open the Syrian army's eyes? And all of a sudden, the Syrian army's eyes are open and they see all these power lifting, cross fitting, angelic power lifters on chariots of fire with their weapons drawn, and the Syrian army just totally disbands. And they run all different way, and Elijah looks over at Gehazi and, like, I told you so. <laughs> like, that's our God. Can I tell you this? You're no different than Elijah. You're no different than Gehazi. You're no different than someone who just needs God to step in and show off for you. And if he's got to send a thousand angels on your behalf, he'll send a thousand angels on your behalf. If he's got to send warrior angels, he'll send warrior angels. If he's got to send the powerlifting team of all of heaven to come take care of your need, he'll do that. You have to look up and ask God for spiritual eyes. God, would you give me the vision that you have for me, not the vision that I have for me. We've all told God what we want, right? Why not preface it by saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I want what you have for me, and he'll fight every battle for you. Number three, you need to accept God's promise. Promises in your life. When you accept God's promises, the Bible says here, after he says, Lift up your eyes, he says, And I will give you. I will give you. See, when God says something, it's as good as gold. Numbers says that on verse 23 19 says, God's not a man that he should lie. He can't lie. Whatever God says and speaks, he does. We can abort it sometimes by not believing it. We can abort it by not having faith. We can abort it by losing our vision. But God will not go back on his word. Man will. Man will let us down. People will let us down. Friends will let us down. But God will never let you down. When God speaks something out, he's got the promises. Let me go to uh, Romans for a second. I think they'll have it on the screen. But Romans, the fourth chapter. I want to read for just a moment. I and I'll, I'm, I'm going to read it. Fairly fast, but you hang on with me. Uh, starting with verse number thirteen, and we're going to read through twenty-two. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would to be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. There you go, faith over law. For it is of the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and the promise is void. For the, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of the offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the ones who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Everybody say all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom uh, he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Stop there for a second because King James says, even God who quickens the dead calls those things that aren't as though they are. I like that wording a little better. Why is that? When God speaks, things happen. He almost makes a promise to himself that whenever his word goes forth. So when you ask for a word from God or a vision from God or a purpose from God and God gives that to you, all he will do is use you to make sure that thing comes to pass or he'll make it come to pass through you in the process that he has. In hope, uh, verse 18, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No, distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that what God was able to do, what he was promised, that is why his faith was counted as him to righteousness. So, five times in that series of verses, we see the word promise. This is why, and go back to point number three, this is why you have to accept God's promises. God's promise is good. Amen? Like, it's solid. It's, it's the best thing in the world. When you get, and you grab that and it becomes a revelation to you that God's promise to me. Now, the will say there's about 3,000 promises in God's Word. Some will say there's more than that because you can't even count just statements. You have to count what God did for us as a promise, what God's going to do for us as a promise, what God's going to do through you as a promise. When we recognize and we grab a hold of it, miracles happen. Miracles start to take place. I taught this uh, this scripture out of Romans uh, years ago at our first church in a tiny little town called Shenandoah, Iowa. and It was a, a small town three stoplights. Church was growing. Good things were happening. We were uh, building a new auditorium, and I was teaching on promise. Well, our daughter Jessica was in college, uh, so she didn't have a job. Uh, I'm I'm sure she had a car, although I'm not sure at the time, Uh, and uh, so she we lived an hour or so outside of Omaha, about the same distance from Hickory to Charlotte with Shenandoah to, to Omaha, Nebraska. And so I, I was teaching, and we went home uh, after service, and Janie cooked us a good meal, and we're sitting and talking, and Jessica's talking about, I think, maybe I'm going to move up to Omaha. And I'm thinking, that's cool, like, after after she gets out, you know, graduates college, and she's going to move, and she's going to start her career, and this and that, and she so... I didn't realize she'd already talked to Janie and she was talking about like moving like the next week. And so she said, No, Papa, I'm gonna, me and Mom are gonna go look for apartments tomorrow. I said, You are? She said, Yeah. I said, Honey, you don't have a job. She said, I know, but I got the promise. I said, You don't have a place to live? She said, I know, but I got the promise. You preached it. I said, I know I preached it, but I wasn't really preaching it to you. (laughs) I was preaching it to somebody else's kids. I want somebody else's kid to get the promise. You got me. You don't need anybody else. I'm moving. She said, tomorrow I'm going to go up to Omaha. I'm going to get a job. Me and Mom's going to get an apartment. Mom's going to take your checkbook. And uh, I said, what do you mean? I thought you had the promise. (laughs) She said, the promise is going to flow through Mama for right now. I said, well, "You're going to get a roommate or anything?" I said. I, she said, "I don't know. All I know is I got the promise. God spoke to me. I'm going to move to Omaha. It's going to work out." She went up to Omaha on Monday. Her and Janie they got an apartment. She got a job, a good-paying job at a really good company. I knew the company really well. Uh, great people in that organization. And then she eventually got a roommate, and and uh, she moved to Omaha. And it, but it was embedded in her. And I told Janie later that Sunday night, I was a little concerned. I said, "Honey, you can't. Like, you can't." You can't agree with everything that she says, and she. Why? I thought you preached promise. I did <laughs> preach promise, but I wasn't talking to her. Her son. I was talking to the church. Well, she's part of the church. She goes to our church. I know, but that's that's not what I mean. I'm trying to pump people up and give them faith. I know, she said. And that's Jessica got it. She's got the promise. And and it was a back and forth conversation. And really not until Monday afternoon when they came home where she had put a deposit on an apartment. She had gotten a job. She was ready to move in. And all these things were taking place where this promise thing really exists. She got it. Listen, hear me. She got it as a rhema word. A Raymond word is a word that comes alive in your spirit. Church, if you take away anything from the service today, take the Raymond word away that God's promises for you are yes and amen. He loves you that much. If He speaks something into your life or He speaks something from the Word of God over you, if He speaks something through this platform over you, you sing a song and you say, that, that word's for me and that song over you, that's a God's promise to you that He wants to instill vision in you. He wants you to look up. He wants you to separate yourself. He wants you to grab hold of that promise and say, yes, that promise is mine. I'm going to take that promise and that promise is better than any bank record in this world. God's promises are yes and Amen. Jessica got that promise, still has the promise today. She, she walks in that promise. She walks in the belief of that. All of our kids do. I'm sure your kids do as well. But I, I'll never forget that story because it came back to bite me just a little bit. And I, 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 it, was a good, it was a good teaching, and it just got messed up because my daughter believed it. <laughs> I want you to believe it today. I want you to take that promise. So I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice because we don't. Like that man, That promise is going to be good for James McElroy, but it may not be good for Mark Dolphins. Just promise is going to be good for Danny Naradu, but it may not be good for Mark Dolphins. It be good for Janie Dolphins, but it may not be good. No, that promise is good for every person that will believe. That person is going to be good for every person that grabs a hold of God. It may, it may not be there as quickly as it was for our daughter. It may not be the very next day that it comes through, but I promise you, God's word will never leave you nor forsake you. God's word will never let you down. God will never, ever, 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 ever let his children down. He loves you that much. Number four, then, arise and walk. So we, we look at this, we're, we're separating ourselves. We're looking up. We're accepting God's promises. This is what this is what Abraham walked through. Verse number seventeen. Now he says the first two words: "Arise and walk." So in verse fourteen, he says after he separates himself, "Lift up your eyes." Verse fifteen: "I will give this to you, my promise." In number seventeen, verse seventeen says: "Arise and walk." It's a military term. It means to be uh, to occupy. Jesus says, "Occupy until I come to His disciples." What's that mean? It means to take advantage, to take to take courage, to take a charge to to go ahead and move forward. When we op when we occupy, when we arise and we walk, when we move forward, we're strategic. We're starting to move out in faith. We're starting to call that promise. It's what our daughter did years ago when she went up to Omaha with my wife and she started to look at apartments. Then she put a deposit down. And then she went and found a job and that A job started like within a week or two and things were working out, but she had to arise and walk. She didn't sit home on the sofa and say, I'm going to move out. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get an apartment and never did anything. At some point in time, church, we need to arise and walk. We need to go into the highways and hedges and compel people to come. We need to invite them. We need to share the good news with them. We need to let people know that they too can have the promise of God in their life. That, that promise is sure and secure, and arise and walk. I like what Jesus did. How he literally said to people in scriptures: the paralytic uh, man that was uh, lowered down by his four friends uh, from the ceiling, uh, he said, "Arise, take up your bed and walk." The paralytic man uh, who was at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years with a condition, he said, "What do you have need of? Well, I wanna, I wanna be healed, but I never can." And Jesus said, "Arise, get up and walk." See, there's a something about us walking out. He tells the the woman at the well who'd been married five times and was living with number six, go. In other words, that's the same word that we use for arise. Go and get your husband. Go and tell your people arise and walk. Go and do something about what God is telling us today. In fact, when the two Marys came and ran to the tomb on the day of resurrection Sunday and the the stone was rolled back and they were nervous because they didn't know who was going to be there when the soldiers would let them uh, put the ointments on and there was two angels sitting on top of the the, the tomb. And they said, what are you here for? Well, we're here to, we're here to, to anoint Jesus. We're here to, to put ointment on him. We're here to make him smell good. And then the, He's not here. He has what? Risen. He arose. He walked. See, to be like Christ, we're called to arise and walk. But I think that's part of the redemption story. I think when we arise and walk, we start to become redeemed, and we become redeemed, we become resurrected. And if you want your vision resurrected today, sometimes we just have to rise. And it goes all the way back to Abraham. Abr- Abram was told in Genesis, the 12th chapter Abram, go. What's he saying? Arise and walk. Go do it. Go become it. Go challenge it. Go speak it out. See, when we start to put our, our faith to feet and to actions, we start to become the thing, the entity, the person, the family, the church, the community that God's called us. He wants people called to action. He wants people called to purpose. He wants people called to a plan of an activity that says, go do this, arise and walk. And Abraham then gets up and he walks and all of a sudden his whole life changes. Why? One, because he separated himself from Lot. He got rid of the things that hindered him that God never had a plan for. So today, I would call you to a life of holiness, whatever that looks like to you, however it looks to you. If that's not God's plan for you, you move on to the next thing. If God's got a plan for you, you stay with it. Amen? But then look up, ask the Lord. Find out. Find a, find a vision. Find a message from God. Find a word from God, and then accept the promises that God had. But then you got to start walking it out people on the fast, I talked to some people who, who actually gained weight, which is biblical. Daniel gained weight, the 21 days they fasted, okay? Uh, some people lost weight. Some people, a number of people said, Pastor, I'm just going to continue to do a, you know, kind of eat like this, the type of fast like that. Some people are like, man, I can't wait to get all the sugar in me that my body can hold. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily no longer is sugar-free. <laughs> but it's amazing when a group of people decide to do something together that we're just now seeing the, just, just a snapshot of what God has in store for you, what God has in store for our church, what God has in store for our community. I'm asked for the worship team to come. But I want you to grab this Arise and Walk. Don't be complacent. Don't, don't lay it down. Don't just say, hey, this is another message. Uh, I wrote the notes down. I'm going to stick them in my Bible. I'm going to stick them in my back pocket. I'm not. No, study them. Look, look over. Read this scripture. Go back to Romans 4. Read that again. Read on how God's promises. Abraham was a man of promise. He did not waver. Do not waver on the promise that God has in store for you. Do not, do not waver. And I want to go to 2 Corinthians 8:12. 12. I, I'd read through the Bible uh, the month of January with a group of small group from our church that does what they call the shred. Uh, and this is the second year we've done it. When I got to this verse, 2 Corinthians, uh, the eighth chapter and the 12th verse, I've read it before. It used to be one of my staple verses. And it, I kind of got away from it. I'm not sure why, what happened. But I, I kind of got away from it. When I read it, it just became rhema to me. It just, it jumped off the pages. It says, for if the readiness is there, and some one verse said, one uh, translation says if the willingness is there if a person is willing it is acceptable according to what that person has not according to what that person has not in other words what's it saying sometimes we look at somebody else's life sometimes we look at somebody else's position sometimes we look at what somebody else has somebody else's desire somebody else's discipline somebody else's knowledge and we say well yeah it's going to work for them they have that or they have that no here's what paul is saying and i believe it's totally scriptural based all the way back to abram when abram is told to go that listen if there's a willingness if there's a readiness it then becomes acceptable to what i have not what i have not i'm not 64 225 like joel I wish I was, I can't run a six minute mile or a five minute mile like some of these guys. I can't run a 12 minute mile. My wife walks in a 13, I can't run a 12. I'm horrible. She walked yesterday and I was running. I said, don't pass me. And then I said, well, if you do, don't judge me. Didn't I, I said that. <laughs> but there's a, there's a willingness, there's, there's a readiness. So now it becomes acceptable to what I have, not what Joel has or Janie has or you have. So it's not good to compare ourselves, but what, what is really good, Isaiah 58 says, when we point the finger at ourselves and stop pointing the finger at anybody else, then God can move mightily. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute, just right where you're at. And if you're here, I want you to, I want you to hear this, hear this and then examine it. If you're willing or if you're ready to do whatever God has for you, whatever vision God has for you, whatever God has in store for you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up. That's all just because I want you just to, I want you like God wants you, just the way you are. I want you the way God wants you, just who you are. Just what you have to offer the kingdom of God, not even gracious, just what you have to offer. So it says, let me read it one more time. If there is a readiness or a willingness, it is according to what you have, not according to what you not have. If you're willing to do the vision that God has for you, uh, you stand right where you're at today. If you're ready and you're willing to say, okay, God, here I am. I don't have, this, this is what I have to offer right here. I have myself to offer, that's it. And you have yourself to offer, that's it. But I want to do whatever God wants us to do as a church, whatever God wants us to do as a person, whatever God wants us to do as a family, whatever God wants us to do as a community. I want you, if you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands up and just, just start right now. And just say, God, here I am. I'm here. This is me, God. And I'm, I'm willing and I'm ready. God, if you want me, if you want, Lord, someone in our congregation to be the next Billy Graham, to be the next Reinhardt Bonnke. Father, if you want someone in our congregation to be the next Greg Laurie, or if you want somebody in our congregation, uh, Lord, just to work the soup kitchen, Lord everything is the same in your kingdom. If you want somebody in our church to drive a bus or work a nursery or drive a van. If you want somebody in our church, Lord, to run a children's ministry or serve downtown or go to the streets and knock on doors. Lord, if you want someone in our congregation to be a witness to their family and end up reaching their whole family. Lord, if you want someone in our congregation, Lord, the willingness is here. You see them standing. The readiness is here. Lord, it's not according to what they don't have, but it's according to what they have. Lord, and what they have is you and your promises. Lord, and as they look up today and they accept those promises, as yes and amen. Father, I pray, Lord, you penetrate their heart with everything that you want them to do by the grace of God. Lord, that promise comes through grace. We read it in Romans, Father, and I pray right now, Lord, would you blanket this congregation, blanket our body right now with your promises and a willingness to do everything, Father, that you've called us to do. We thank you, Lord, in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. God bless you. Thanks for coming
1: i oh.
2: was incredible, I thought, just getting rid of the lots, and if you missed that, you should go back and watch that, Um, but this week was just amazing, put feet, I liked, Marcus and I kind of was over there just going crazy over, put feet to your faith rise and walk and so that's what they he showed us what we got to do sometimes we can sit back and say we're gonna we're gonna but it's until we get up and walk and do what what we say then then that's where our faith comes into action and it works and just real quick um we just want to say thank you so much for everybody that fasted over these 21 days um we are seeing miracles from it and that's according to the promises of god um our, our little granddaughter selah she's three She'll be three next Saturday or Sunday. Um, but she comes running up, and she knows we've been fasting. Now, she is so smart that she probably knows this is day 21 for us. That's how smart she is. But she comes running. The first thing she says, Grammy, did you get to eat oatmeal today? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I'm having steak for lunch. So. <laughs> um, but it was just precious. And then our, our grandsons, Brady and Jonah, who are 8 and 11, they have fasted the whole time. And um, we've been praying over some some really um, some emergencies in in their situation in their life, and and so we've been really fasting and praying, and they've been fasting and praying, and and so Friday I got to spend a little time with them, and their their day was going to be up Friday because of some certain things, and so um, they we talked about why we fast and pray one more time and you guys have done a great job. You have made it. They did like no candy, no soda, like just a little bit of chicken because they needed the protein and just a little bit of bread, but like no sweets and treats. They just did an incredible job and I was telling them how proud I was of them for doing such a great job, but I said, how much prouder is your heavenly Father going to be so proud of you guys because you have done this and you have set aside everything and said, God, I'm asking you for this. And we talked about the prayers that they were asking for. And then I had... A lot of people, some special people, just really praying at five o'clock at a certain time. And then God answered that prayer that they had prayed for. So God showed them a miracle of at this young age of wow, it really works. So he got to they got to see what they were doing work. So when you have a special need, do what Pastor says, set aside some time, deny and that's what it is, it's denying your flesh. It's dying to ourself, and I mean, it was worth every day of it for the miracles that we got to see happening, and we know there's more to come from this, and and in your situations, we know there's more miracles coming. There, It's happening, church, if you just believe, and we had to put, arise and walk, so we had to put feet to our faith. We had to have our faith and then get up and do something about it, so in your situation this week, no matter what it is, you just arise and walk. Let your faith start standing in that and say you know what i'm gonna believe for a miracle and you watch it happen because god did that for so many of us but it was just such a beautiful testimony for us just to sit back and watch our precious little grandsons go through a really hard place And watch god answer it on the day their fast was up so what a testimony right that's how cool god is so father we give you all the glory we give you all the praise and we say thank you that you are a god that gives promises from your word and you fulfill them You do what you say. So, Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise today. Lord, over every need, Lord, we're going to believe for continuous miracles to be taking place. Those who have physical needs in their body, we declare that by the stripes they are healed. Those who have a financial need, Lord, we believe that you are meeting that need. God, those who have a, a spiritual situation, we're asking you, God, to be there for that. And physically, mentally, every area, God, that they have need of, we are trusting you. We're going deeper, we're just going deeper in our trust level, you're teaching us things. So God be glorified, we love you so much. Be with them, give them an awesome week and let them just have testimonies of your goodness of God, in Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all so much and be blessed and we'll see you soon.
1: Flash
2: give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.